0: friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Oftentimes, God brings things up because they are on the way out. Lean into the topic that God's bringing up today on what to do when life is hard and doubt is rising. Be sure to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Today's guest, Nikki Kozars, is a two-time ECPA best-selling author and speaker with Proverbs 31 Ministries. She speaks nationally at conferences, retreats, and meetings and hosts her own podcast. An evangelist at heart, Nikki inspires others to become the best version of who God created them to be. Nikki and her husband and three girls run a small farm just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, which they affectionately call the Fixer Upper Farm. I know that you guys are going to love this conversation with Nikki, so let's welcome her to the show now. Well, hello Nikki and welcome to the show. Hi, Rachel. I am
1: so honored to be on here and I just, I love this podcast. This is awesome.
0: Thank you. I'm excited to finally have you. I don't know how long we've been trying to get this scheduled, but it finally happened. And I love, um, you know, God's timing is always best. And I'm sure when we get through recording this, we'll realize, oh, okay, I see why we're doing it now um, rather than several months ago when we first tried to get booked. So before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, I would love to know what's a fun fact about you, maybe not in your bio?
1: Oh, I like this question. Okay, so here is a fun fact. I actually did not grow up in the United States. I was born in Arizona, but my dad was a teacher for the government. And so I grew up in Germany for seven years. And then we moved to Japan, like from one side of the world to the other side of the world. Uh, And we lived there for two and a half years. And then we moved back to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we live now. So uh, I have this thing. It's called, maybe you know this because you're a counselor, this term, it's called Third Culture Kid. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, I haven't. Yeah, it's for people that grew up in different countries during their childhood. So it's fascinating. It's strange. And it it makes me make sense of why I am the way I am.
0: Yeah. I love that. I, I'm slightly jealous because I've always thought, you know, I think having those other experiences just gives you such a great worldview, right? You know, those of us who have kind of been in one spot our whole life, which would be like me. I uh, grew up in the South. I have been in, was born in the South. I've stayed in the South, and, which is awesome. I love the South, but there's just a piece of me that's like, I want to get out and I want to see the world and <laughs> have those experiences. So that's really cool. Do you speak any other languages? I did. I mean, I spoke German really well because I lived there
1: as a child. Um, And I spoke a little bit of Japanese, but girl, don't ask me. Don't ask me to do that right now. All
0: right. I won't put you on the spot. Okay. (laughs) That would be fun, though. All right. So, okay. So today we're talking about, is this your third book you've written? It is. It's my third book and third Bible study. Okay. What are the first couple that you've done?
1: So the first book I wrote uh, was called Five Habits of a Woman Who Doesn't Quit, and it's based on the life of Ruth. And then the second book that I wrote is called Why Her, and it is based on Rachel and Leah and their comparison struggles. Uh, So and then this new one is called Flooded, The Five Best Decisions to Make When Life is Hard and Doubt is Rising.
0: I think this is why I fell in love with you when I found you in the online space. You know, before we hit record, I was telling you, I found you through Compel. then I started following you and I just fell in love with everything you do because I feel like you're speaking my language. (laughs) You know, when you connect with somebody, I'm like, all the things you've written on, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. I need that one and I need that one and I need that one. So I I could talk to you about all of those things today, but today we're digging into your most recent book that just released this year, Correct. Yes, just back in March. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that one.
1: So here's what's interesting, and you'll appreciate this because you're also writing your first book. This topic on Noah was actually my first book idea that I ever had, and uh, I went through the whole process of book proposals and pitching it to publishers and just got a resounding no. (laughs) Um, And I was really confused because I was like, I really feel like God called me to write this message, but it just, you know, one of the quotes in the book is that the timing of God is never rushed by the impatience of man. And so no matter how much I wanted that book published then, uh, it did not happen. And I understand now why, because um, God's timing is so perfect. So uh, yeah, I, I thought I had gone through uh, the hardest situation in my life when I was writing my second book, Why Her? Uh, it was when my mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor. She was given six months to live, and they were the worst six months of my life. And I thought at the end of that season, uh, I would write a message um, on grief and loss and just kind of that process, because there's a lot of people who are experiencing a lot of grief but what I did not know is when I signed the contract to write this book that I hadn't actually walked through the hardest season of my life that it would come just a few weeks later my brother tragically committed suicide Uh, he had attempted it four times during my mom's uh, passing Um, and so I went through that and then came home and we had an exchange student living with us which I don't talk a whole lot about this publicly Um, I'll just say it was a very trying situation Um, and And then our horse died. And I don't know if you're a horse lover, but there's just an ache in you when a horse dies like uh, no other. Uh, And then a few weeks later, a pandemic would hit. So boom, (laughs) the hardest season of my life was there. And so I wrote this book in the midst of that pain, in the midst of those hard days. And um, it is some of the most vulnerable writing that I've ever had.
0: Yeah, well, and I just want to tell you, I'm sorry for both of your losses. Did those happen pretty close within like timeline within each other? Just about two years apart. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that because I do think that, you know, this message, it makes it so much more um, just powerful to know you wrote it from that place. You know, you didn't just write it from up on a... Up on a mountaintop yourself, you know, giving a, a preaching a word that you can't really relate to, like you, you lived it, right? And so, yeah, wow. All right. So, let's talk a little bit about that. So, that was a long season of disappointments and heartbreaks. And how did those, because those are really big things, how did those things that you just mentioned about your mom and your brother impact your faith?
1: Well, uh, it definitely shook it, especially my mom because I had believed that God was going to heal her and I know people will say things, well, God did heal her, just not in the way that you expected. No, 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 no. I was praying and believing that God was going to heal her here on this earth. And so, um, you know, I did everything that you can think to do anointing oil called in all the big prayer warriors. Um, you know, and my mom was a, uh, she had had breast cancer three other times. And so she had beaten it. And so I just really thought we were going to beat this. Um, so at the end of that, that was really a hard struggle. Now, the thing with my brother, Um, I knew my mom's death was coming. Okay. His death caught me way off guard. Like I was not prepared for that. (laughs) I was not prepared for that phone call. So I was kind of in a place of disbelief when that happened. In fact, it's it didn't even really hit me until I got on the plane to come back home after I had been with him um, and wrapped up everything in his life. And I'll never forget, Rachel. I was sitting. Lord help me. I did not have God's favor on me during this day because I somehow got stuck in a middle seat between these two big guys and like I'm sitting there and I've had so much anxiety and I remember I just put my head down like on my legs and I was so miserable. I just cried the entire flight home because it like it just hit me. Um, And so, you know, that's really where the doubt started to stir deep inside of me is when, you know, we hit these places of disbelief and we just cannot believe. That God allowed this to happen, Um, and how do we how do we walk through that, and how do we get through that, and how do we trust God again? And so that's what this message is all about.
0: Yeah, I so appreciate this message because you know I I counsel a lot of um, you know we call them suicide survivors and that have lost ones, and I've personally lost a good friend to suicide, and it is it's um, it is it's a whole different depth of pain that you can't describe and then also like you said just so many questions you know so many questions so many doubts so many fears some so much that just rises up in those moments and I feel like it kind of pops up at different times and so um let's talk a little bit more about your doubt then you said that's kind of when it struck you of like okay questioning and some doubt um that part is normal to, for that to rise up. Then how did you dig in, overcome that? And even just, you know, you, you've, you use the life of Noah really too in that, right? So let's hear a little bit more about that.
1: Well, I just want to be honest with your audience. I haven't overcome it. Mm -hmm. I um, I definitely am not coming at you today from this expert. Like I have figured out how to resolve doubt in my life and I never have it. Um, Just this morning I had to pray against um, some doubts that I've had about this, this very message You know, um, and so this is a real like when I say I'm living out this message right now, I'm not blowing smoke. Like I literally have to make these decisions every single day. And you're right. I did. I got behind the life of Noah. And, you know, sometimes I think that it's great to go to counselors. I love counseling. I'm a huge fan of it. Okay, it's great to talk to your pastors. Um, It's great to have friends that understand what you're going through. But sometimes I forget that for every struggle that we would ever go through here on this earth, there's already someone in the scriptures who has gone through it, who can teach us what it's like to overcome things in faith with God. And so Noah was one of these guys that I was studying. And I remember thinking, this is a crazy, impossible assignment that God had given him And so, you know, we, we all grew up hearing the vacation Bible school version of Noah, right? And singing those cute little songs and, you know, the, the felts on the, the felt board and all the things. Um, but to take the time to really study his life and his habits, and we don't see him say things in the text. Like there's no words we can study until the very end of his, his account. Um, but there are actions and actions, you know, this as a therapist, they stem from decisions. Like we are making, uh, I think I heard on average a day, we make like 30,000 decisions every single day. It's a lot of decisions and it's a lot of action that we're taking. But when it comes to our faith, we really have to be intentional about making decisions that strengthen us and combat that doubt that's inside of us.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love this. So good. So I love that you brought up the the decisions and the thinking, because, yeah, the most simply put I've ever heard it say is that our thoughts affect our feelings and our feelings affect our behavior. So to your point, Noah's actions came from his thoughts, you know, and his thoughts and his belief in who God is and that he's not completely crazy, that he heard him correctly. And, you know, overcoming those doubts start in the brain. Um, and I've, I've heard you, I, I don't remember if I've heard you speak to this or if I read it in your book, but um, about the difference, what is the difference between wishful thinking and this biblical hope that you're talking about right now.
1: Yeah. So this was a place I had to get really vulnerable in the message. Um, And, you know, Rachel, I think we could all admit that we've done this. (laughs) We've taken a Bible verse out of context and um, it's what I call a Bible verse bandaid where we put something on our soul that feels really good and sounds really good and, you know, makes us believe that everything's going to be okay. And, you know, the Bible is filled with hundreds of promises, but not all of the promises in scripture are for us today. Um, So, for example, uh, Abraham and Sarah are a great example of someone we could use that God gave Sarah that promise that she was going to have that baby in her old age, right? And she thought it was crazy and out there. Now, that doesn't mean when I turn 90 that I could all of a sudden say, well, God promised Sarah that she was going to have a baby when she was in her 90s. So, God help me, I do not want to have a baby in my 90s, okay? Let's just say that. I'm just using this like example. So, I can't turn 90 and go, "Well, God said that in the scriptures, so it's applicable for me today" because that's not a promise that God gave me, okay? And so sometimes we take scriptures, um, you know, Philippians 4.13 is one of the greatest examples. Um, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yes, you can do all things. But <laughs> if you go outside and you enter into this, you know, three point hoop competition where you got to you know shoot these three point shots and you've never touched a basketball day in your life. You can't just go out there and go, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and make that slam dunk, right? I mean, somebody might be able to do that one time and have amazing luck at it. Um, but we have to be careful that we're taking Scripture and using it in the way that God actually spoke it, in the way that the the original writer and the, the meaning of the words. So, You know, wishful thinking is going to the scriptures and just kind of going, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. this promise is for me today, where biblical hope is really taking the time to understand the scriptures and understand which promises are for us and which were for other people in the scriptures and, you know, what we can boldly claim in our faith today.
0: Yeah. ooh, sister, you're singing the song of my heart because I see this so often. In fact, a couple years ago, and it popped up on my uh, time hop or whatever they call that news, news feed. Recently, I had made a post about Moses. I was like, you know, if I walked up to the Red Sea right now and I did it with all my might, tried to get it to part, it wouldn't because I was not anointed and appointed at a season. I wasn't leading people out of like, that was not my call. Now, can I learn from from that, that Bible story. Absolutely. But, you know, just like with Noah, I I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go out and start building an ark, right? But we can learn from him. You guys would definitely think I was crazy if I did that today. But, and of course, people thought he was crazy as well. So let's let's chat about that for a second, because we, we've kind of talked a little about this, how, you know, he had to really overcome a lot. Um, and you actually, in your book, talk about the five decisions that he had to make. Um, and the first decision was to walk with God. So that seems so simple, yet Somehow we don't always do that. So let's break that down for listeners of what that looks like to like, like you were saying, you know, I'm not called to build an ark, but I am called to a lot of things that sure feel like I'm building an ark. (laughs) They feel as scary as it and they get some naysayers and some, um, you know, some different things that I have to overcome mentally to even do them. So let's jump into that, that first decision of walking with God.
1: Yeah. So these decisions in this book, you hit it right on. They're so simple. Um,
0: But there's sometimes
1: sometimes I think we skip over the very simple things of our faith. We want to overcomplicate everything. Um, And someone posted a graphic the other day, and it wasn't related to this book or anything. But the graphic said, She decided that she was going to walk with God and that was her game changing decision. Mm. And I loved that graphic so much because it ties exactly into what Noah did. And we do see this decision in the scriptures. It says that Noah was a man who walked with God. Now, this was not like out for, uh, you know, a stroll, like it's a beautiful day here. Like it's not taking your dog for a walk. It's, you know, this really holy place where we decide that we are going to get into the trenches with God, not even with others, but with God, like we're going to go to that deep sacred place. Um, and sometimes the sacred place is the secret place. You know, I was studying in Matthew just the other morning, um, where it says that you're supposed to close your door when you pray, like go into a secret place. That's just between, you and your father. And that's hard for us, right, Rachel, because we live in such a public world where we tell everyone what we read in the scriptures this morning, what we ate for lunch, where we're at right now. You know, we tell everyone everything. And I think that walking with God is one of these places that is so personal and so private. Um, And we have to go back to this like sacred place with God where he, he, he speaks to us and he, you know, that leads into the other decisions where we can listen to him and, you know, where we can really grow. But The reality is Rachel, I open up the book with a really harsh sentence and I struggled with this sentence so much because I didn't, I didn't know if I wanted to come out swinging like this, but the very first sentence in the book says, what if I told you it's you, you are the greatest struggle that you will ever have to overcome in this life. And we want to blame a lot of things for our struggles. Um, but when it comes to our walk with God, it's us. It's our decision to get to this place with him. It's our decision to open our Bibles. It's our decision to go to church. It's our decision, you know, to get our thoughts aligned with the things that he is saying and speaking over us through the word. And so I think it's time for us to take ownership of that again and to, to kind of, you know, put our boots on and get in the ground and get working and um, decide that we're going to be women that, you know, if we you know, we want to be strong, right? Like, that's a huge thing in our generation today. Like, strong women. Well, this is how we get it. This is how we get that strength. It comes from that private,
0: secret, holy place with God. Oh, I love that so much. So, and then the second decision is listening to God, which you touched on. I feel like so many people struggle with this. Um, what, first of all, why do you think it is that people struggle to listen to God in our day and age?
1: Well, I will tell you that the book has been out for a little bit over a month. And that's the number one (laughs) feedback that I've gotten from everyone who's read the book. Um, There's a portion in the book where I talk about the word listen, how it, an acronym, we could turn it into the word silent. It has the same letters, um, that for listen and for silent. And so, um, it's really important that in this culture today that we live in, that is so loud, that is so noisy. I mean, you know, I have notifications on my phone going off all day long and, you know, we we can turn our computers off for a second, but as soon as we open them back up, there's going to be more notifications. And so we live in this world where like noise is this comfort, but it's also a distraction, right? Like, how many times, Rachel, have you opened up your phone? Like maybe, I mean, you'd be honest to confess, like you only had like two text messages and you're like, Oh, I guess nobody needs me today. Right. Yeah, It's like comforting the noise and the notifications, or, you know, we sit down to, you know, study the scriptures and we think, Oh, I'll just Google this one verse for a second. And we become so distracted by all the noise. And so, Noise is, I think, one of the greatest tools of the enemy that he's using right now. And, uh, I challenge the readers of the book, you know, to just sit quiet for 10 minutes. Like it is the hardest thing ever just to sit in silence and not think and not talk and not pray, but just be still and just be silent before God. It's it's an incredible spiritual discipline to practice.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And that's I've been challenged in that way. I recently had uh Jennifer Dukesley on my podcast and we talked about growing slow and and she was challenging us too in that of like how many of us can't even pull up to a stoplight and not check our phone for notifications, you know, or how many of us actually sit down and eat a meal, you know, without scrolling through your phone. And so it is just interesting. Like we want to hear God yet we're also just getting so many messages from the outside world. And I know when I'm really seeking God, one of the first things he tells me is, I'm going to need you to get off social media. I'm going to need you to, you know, step, leave your phone in the other room, like just to silence all the other voices so I can actually hear his Um, And so, yeah, I can totally see when I was when I was looking through the five decisions, I was like, I bet the listening to God is the biggest one, because I really believe that most believers want to do big, bold things and be obedient and not doubt God and and say, yes, sir, whenever he calls us to something. But I think that so many people doubt that they actually can hear his voice that then that is scary, because then you think about it, if you're not certain that you can hear God's voice then you're not certain that what you're hearing is him. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, here's, here's
0: a couple of things that we could share
1: with your listeners um, about listening to God. So first of all, God is never going to tell you something that goes against the scripture. So, you know, probably God's not going to wake you up in the middle of the night and say, go buy a new car and be in debt for the rest of your life. Like, that's probably not God. Okay. But also God will never tell you something that goes against his character. And so, um, you know, I've had people that have messaged me or send me really weird emails that say like, God told me to say this to you. And it was the most discouraging thing I've ever heard. And it was, there was no benefit in it. And I was like, Yeah, that wasn't God because that's not God's character. And so, you know, just remembering those two things can really help um, discerning what you're listening to.
0: Oh, that's so good. And we know his character by reading his word, right? Right. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That's I love how practical those are. Today's episode is brought to you by Loved and Blessed. We all experience moments of discouragement, loneliness and anxiety. Sometimes they aren't moments and end up lasting for a season. But what if there is a community of women willing to encourage you every day so that when those tough times come, you have the support of hundreds of friends? You've heard me talk about Loved and Blessed in their monthly care packages, but did you know that they also host a free, private online community where there's daily fellowship and content that will help you stay encouraged? Check out lovedandblessed.com to learn more about their monthly membership and lovedandblessedladies.com to join their free online community. Okay, and then the third decision is to rise above the doubt. What do you think is the key? Any any key practical tips here?
1: Yeah, so this is a decision that we do have to make. In fact, um, I was just talking to another counselor um, about what your brain can convince you of every single day. And she was sharing with me, you know, just some of the destruction that doubt can do to your body, to your mind. Um, And she said, the one thing that is really great about the brain is that it never stops changing. Like you have the ability at any point in your story to step in and say, I don't like this, the way this this is going. I don't like what I'm believing right now. And so I'm going to decide that today is going to be different. And so making the decision to rise above the doubt, not only from yourself, but, you know, in the book, I talk about Noah and his community and the naysayers and, you know, the people that, you know, probably mocked him and made fun of him. And we all have people in our lives like that, that don't necessarily believe um, in these assignments that God has given us. And here's the really bad thing. (laughs) I have found with kingdom assignments, especially the people that you would least suspect to be your naysayer, turn into your naysayer and they try to slip those voices of doubt um, inside of you. And so you have to make a decision once you've heard from God that you're going to have to rise above that doubt in your life. And it's a decision you've got to make to retrain your brain.
0: Yeah, I want to hang out on this naysayers for a bit, probably because I can relate way too well to it. To your point, I've had those messages as well that come packaged in a pretty package Like that appear to be delivering a good message, but actually do more harm than good, you know? And I know every single person listening, whether you are in ministry or you're, you know, you have a job somewhere or maybe you're a mom, like everybody has had some kind of voice that speaks into your life that just does not lift you up, that does not encourage, you know, you to dig into God's faithfulness. And it really, um, it's a voice of doubt, you know, is really what I would say is just like, and I feel like the enemy, he knows um, our weak links, if you will. He knows our tender and our, our, our hard spots. And so sometimes he'll poke at those. Um, and, you know, I, whenever those get poked at on me, I do stop and pay attention to those because I'm like, you know, if I don't always want to be poked in this area, then I need to strengthen that area so the enemy can't always mess with me in that area. But at the same time, do you have any advice then for somebody who's like, yeah, you know, they feel like every time, you know, they're getting so much negative feedback or or they just keep getting sidelined by it? How can you protect yourself from that?
1: Hmm. Well, I don't think you can protect yourself. I wish, you know, I mean, you can put boundaries up and, you know, you can block and mute all day long. Um, but the reality is the naysayers are always going to be there and it's what you do with what they say to you afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, one of the examples that I share in the book is, you know, when I first felt God calling me into speaking and writing, I was trying to raise money to attend, you know, the Proverbs 31, She Speaks conference. And um, I was sitting at a dinner table with some people that were like, I cannot believe that you would ask people for money for that. Like, who do you think you are? And just, you know, this horrible mindset, right? Okay. So for years that sat with me and for years that hurt me, but now I can look back on it And I'm like, they were wrong (laughs) and uh, they're not in my life anymore. Like they could care less about anything that is going on in my life. So the people that sometimes speak really hard truth to us, like we do, like we need people sometimes to say, Hey, I'm not sure that you're heading in the right direction with that. Or, you know, you might want to think about this. Um, but they're the people that stay in your life. They're not the people who are in and out for a second. Um, they're not the people that are popping in in your DMs that just want to, you know, criticize something that you say. I mean, it, Rachel, it doesn't matter what we say these days. Like, I mean, I post a picture of my cow and somebody is messaging me concerned about the poop that is around the cow. Like, I I, I cannot say anything anymore without somebody Having something critical to say about it. And um, I think that we're living in a generation where there's just a very critical spirit that is flowing through, um, especially here in America, that, you know, as Christians, we've got to be willing to say, not with me. Like, I'm not going to, you know, you got to just let that come in and let it go right back out. Um, but then decide if you're going to listen to the people that really do matter to you. So, so like my husband is one of those people where his opinion really does matter to me. Like I really do care what he thinks about things. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so sometimes, you know, I'll bring something to him and, you know, he'll say, well, I could see how it could be that way, or it could be this way, or don't pay any attention to that, you know? So it's good to have those people in our lives that we can listen to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anytime somebody starts to get into the online space and they first start to encounter, cause th- those of us who are in the online space, I think, um, Come up against this maybe a little more often or just because, you know, if you're going to be vulnerable and put things out, um, you know, people are they're watching right and so you know we are a little more open to to some feedback and everything and so I also love um I I love what you said about really having some trusted key people in your life because I'm like you I want to stay in a posture of humility and open to feedback and open to those who I know are for me and for the mission God has on my life that I want to when they come in and say to your point my husband's one of those people for me as well when he comes in and says "Mm, I think you're a little out of balance you know and And how you're spending some time or whatever. Like those people, when they speak into my life, I listen. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, wow. But then just like you said, like really considering the source and an understanding. And then also it really encourages me to be an encourager. That sounds funny. It's a funny st- way to say it, but like really looking to encourage people and build people up because I believe people are not built up near enough. Um, that, like we should just be building people. And then those people that we do have permission to speak into their life, then absolutely, you know, um, help them and, and redirect them. But yeah, I just, I think that's so, so important to, to have both types of people in our lives. Okay, so we're coming to the end of our time. Um, Is there any other word of encouragement? If somebody's listening today and they are in a season of doubt, like big time doubt, um, I don't know about you, but I have encountered a lot of people lately who just feel a little defeated and are kind of wrestling with really honestly even just their belief in God, their belief in his presence in their life. And yeah, any just word of encouragement you have for those listening that feel that way.
1: Yeah. Well, I would say you're not alone. First of all, (laughs) um, you know, doubt is kind of one of these secret struggles that we don't really talk about, especially in the church, because it's seen as like, I'm sorry, what you doubt God, like, who are you? Put that Bible verse bandaid back on your soul. Um, so it's sometimes it's, it's a hard conversation for us to have, but Rachel, if I could leave everyone with just this one part of the book, if you take nothing else away from it, there's one prayer that I pray almost every single day as we are believing God for some some really significant things right now. I don't like to use the word big because I think sometimes we think about shiny when it's big, um, but there are things that feel heavier than other things. And so um, we've got some significant weight on us right now about some decisions that we're trying to make. And. So the one prayer that I pray every single day is this, God, if I have it wrong, show me the right way. But God, if I have it right, help me to stand still until I see this promise fulfilled because humility and surrender look like this. It looks like showing up before God saying, Hey I think I heard you say this. <laughs> I think this is what you you told me to do, but I'm not seeing it in front of me right now. And so if I heard wrong, like show me that I heard wrong. Um, because Rachel, like, I mean, the book is a perfect example. You know, seven years ago, I knew that I had heard from the Lord that I was supposed to write this book and it wasn't time. And so there are times in our lives where we get it wrong and we need to be willing to admit that as Christians. Um, but then there are times where it really is about us just putting our faith in, into the ground and planting that seed. Like I'm trying to grow a garden this year and it's been such a good learning experience for me. Um, cause I'm learning about what it's like to put a seed in the ground and to take good care of it and, you know, to cultivate it and grow it into something that's going to produce fruit one day. And that's what it looks like in our faith. Sometimes we we've, we've got to be willing to do the hard work too, and to stand still. And so we see God do what he said he was going to do.
0: Oh my goodness, that prayer is powerful. I'm going to be writing that on a post-it note and putting it on my my mirror. That is so good. And what a beautiful way to end because man, isn't that at the end of the day, really what it comes back to wanting to just be in line with his will and be obedient to him and listen to him and, and, and then stand firm um, in what we know that he told us to do. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Before we go, I do want to make sure that the listeners get a chance to know, first of all, where to get your book and then also how to connect with you.
1: Yeah, so you can get the book anywhere. Um, it actually will be available in Target in June. So um, check it out in there if you remember. But it's on Amazon, all, Lifeway, all the places. Um, and you can find me I am everywhere on social media that you can think of. <laughs> um, so just at Nikki Cozyars. And yeah, I would love to, to connect with you. That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah, okay. That's super exciting about Target. We all need to buy a copy from Target because I want to see um, <laughs> more books like yours in target. So that's it. All you people listening, if you do, if you can find it in target, get it there. That would be awesome. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Nikki, thank you again for taking the time to come on. I personally am encouraged right now. And so that makes me really excited to release this to the listeners. Thanks, Rachel. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. In today's episode, we talked about Noah and how he made five crucial decisions that affected the trajectory of his life. Now, here's the deal. We're all faced with many decisions daily from small things like what time we should wake up, or big decisions like which job to take or where should we send our kids to school. I actually love that Nikki's book name is called Flooded because decision fatigue can leave you feeling flooded. Now, the state of being flooded is literally when our body is so overwhelmed by emotions, adrenaline, cortisol, and anxiety that our heart rate actually spikes And we really emotionally shut down. There's science behind what is happening internally when we're flooded and just overwhelmed. Then something known as stonewalling happens. And this is just literally when you're unable to speak or move forward as we're frozen. You've probably been in a conversation with somebody before where either you or them got flooded and then you started stonewalling, which means literally you kind of look like a stone wall, you know, (laughs) it's like you're there, but you're not, there's not much happening. So here's what we have to do to help get over that hurdle of when we're flooded. We have to regulate our emotions and keep from flooding with just a couple very simple steps that you can do on your own. The first step when you're feeling flooded and overwhelmed, take a timeout, walk away from the situation. now in in couples therapy, we recommend you tell the person your partner, hey, I need a 15 minute timeout or a 20 minute timeout. We don't recommend a timeout for three days, but if you can verbalize to them, I need a timeout and put a time frame on it and walk away. Get alone, pray, journal, read the Bible, listen to music or disengage in whatever way that is self-soothing to you. It needs to be something that helps your heart rate come back down, something that just really just calms yourself down. And you're the only one who knows what works for you, so kind of experiment with that. The second thing you can do is practice deep breathing or progressive muscle relaxation. So I think you all know what deep breathing is, but progressive muscle relaxation, it's also very simple. It simply means tightening and releasing specific muscle groups from the tip of your head down to your toes. Now, I don't recommend doing all at once, but for example, uh, let's, let's go and do one right now. So the quadricep, which, which is the big muscles right on top of your thigh there on your leg. If you're able to, you can reach down and touch it right now and just feel it and take a moment. And as you take in that deep breath, I want you to tighten your quadriceps as tight as you can, the top of your your thighs there, just tight, 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 squeeze, 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 squeeze. And as you do that, normally you wouldn't have someone like me talking in your ear. You'd be doing this with silence or maybe some nice relaxing music going. As you're tightening, notice your thighs there. Notice them, feel them if you can. Notice and tight, 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 and then release. Okay, now you can do that with other body parts. And the cool thing, I know this, it feels a little silly and awkward, but it's a very grounding technique. It brings you back down. It kind of of tells your brain, hey brain, you're okay. Because when you're in that flooded state, you're really going against that fight or flight. And when we're in fight or flight, you're not thinking with the part of your brain that has sound reasoning. Um, Now you're in protection mode, you're in survival mode. And what we want to do is bring your body back into home homeostasis, so that your brain gets the message, hey, hey, we're okay. You don't need to go to fight or flight. You don't need to run. You don't need to freeze. You're okay. That's literally the, the message that we're sending. Hey, you're okay. You can feel the ground underneath your feet. I can wiggle my fingers and see them wiggling. And so that tightening of muscles and then releasing, there's a lot of things that are happening there, but it's just very therapeutic and it will help you when you're flooded and it's going to actually decrease that heart rate, and then it's lowering that adrenaline that's pumping through your veins. Okay, well, I hope that this segment today was helpful, and that concludes this segment. And as always, if God spoke a word to you today, or honestly, if you just enjoyed the conversation, would you leave a review and tell us about it? Those reviews are so helpful. One, just because it's fun to read them on my end, but two, it helps other listeners get to know the show. Uh, They'll see fresh reviews and go, huh, maybe this is something I want to check out. And so um, leave a review, or if you've already left a review, share this episode with a friend who you think it might bless them. That is one of the biggest ways you can support the show. And we very, very much appreciate it. Well, I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.